everybody and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby and if you are brand new to this show, this show is all about a little well-known card game called Magic the Gathering. So before we get into today's topics, let us thank my sponsor here, LegitMTG.com. LegitMTG.com is the place to buy Magic Singles and Sealed product available. If you have any order over $2 or more, they will give you free shipping at LegitMTG.com. Check them out today. So what are we going to be talking about today? Today, I have for you... It's a little bit late to the game, and I apologize for being... Um, a little bit of a slacktivist on this, but today we have my top 10 additions to EDH from Ravnica Legions. And then maybe a little bit later, I may, not in this episode, but maybe another episode, I will do my top 10 EDH additions to War of the Spark, from War of the Spark, I mean. And then we're also going to do a silly deck tech. Um, I was really trying to wrap my head around what kind of deck tech I want to do. And besides doing something that, oh, maybe an EDH or some sort of popper one, you know, why not do a standard deck tech, but something that's maybe slightly sillier here. And um, yeah, so I will also say this past week was my actual week that Wizards of the Coast featured me as their featured content creator for Magic Arena, and I got to stream um, being sponsored by them and give out free booster pack codes and had a bunch of people join with me. I had Ted from Cardsphere playing with me. I had John Orzov Dunning from... They said, we said, come and play some games with me. Total MTG stopped by and played. Um, and I had a bunch of other people in the chat that came by too. So it was it was a lot of fun. It was some really good times. And I'm glad I got to be a part of that. I got to, <clears throat> you know, hand out a bunch of booster pack codes. And it was just a lot of fun. It's kind of made me want to stream a little bit more. And I will do my best to try to stream maybe a little bit more often. Um, won't be all the time, but... I'll do my best effort to stream as often as I can. Um, it's just, you know, I've got so much other stuff going on with life, work, and then there are times where I just don't feel like streaming. That's just how it goes. So, all right, I guess let's first get into my top 10 EDH editions from Ravnica Allegiance, and then we will get into a silly deck tech, and there we go. All right, so my top 10 EDH editions from Ravnica Allegiance. We're going to start at the bottom and work our way up. So these are just my opinion and my opinion alone. You may disagree with them. You may like them. You may think, oh my gosh, you're crazy. Do you even play EDH the format? Granted, I don't play it probably as much as some of you because it's I just don't have the time. And yeah, but these are the cards that I personally like from EDH, and I'll try to explain my purpose for choosing these cards as well too so starting off at number 10 we have deputy of detention which is one white and a blue vidalcan wizard that's a one three when this enters the battlefield exile target non-land permanent and opponent controls and all other non-land permanents that player controls with the same name as that permanent until deputy of detention leaves the battlefield so essentially a detention sphere but as a creature and I feel this is a good addition to EDH because even though Detention Sphere may not see a lot of play in EDH, but this is more of a budget option here. And it does give you a sort of another creature on the field. So let's say you're playing against Cranko and they've got 50 1-1 goblins and you happen to play De Deputy of Detention and all 50 1-1 of those goblins are gone. Or they're playing Ghoul Caller Gisa and have a crap ton of tokens. Just, just any kind of... 
deck that you're facing up against and they all have a bunch of tokens and they're all the same name you're now like oh okay deputy of detention exiles all of them except if you're playing against omnath locus of rage because omnath locus of rage doesn't care if you try to exile tokens omnath locus of rage will just say okay sack all my tokens deal eighty thousand damage to you boom done so that is number 10 number nine is Lavinia Azorius Renegade for a white and a blue. It's a legendary creature, human soldier, 2-2. Two, two. Each opponent can't cast non-creature spells with converted mana cost greater than the number of lands that player controls. Whenever opponent casts a spell, if no mana was spent to cast it, counter that spell. So this is essentially making them cast, or I mean counter spells that get be played for free. So omniscient spells are... You know, if they say, oh, I'm going to try to play an Ulamog for free, but Lavinia, and you have Lavinia on the field, Lavinia says, uh-uh, nope, sorry. And, oh, okay, oh, your lands all tap for three mana, but you only have three lands out, and you try to play a, you know, nine casting cost creature. Nope, sorry, Lavinia says no. Well, okay, non-creature spells, I'm sorry. So they try to cast a big non-creature spell for nine mana, but they only have three lands out. Okay, nope, sorry, not going to happen. I feel like that is a really good control piece for those kind of crazy political EDH games. Obviously, I'd put this in Grand Arbiter August in the 4th because I am a terrible magic player and I don't like people having fun. Next on the list is Growth Spiral. Growth Spiral, a green and a blue instant draw card. You may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. Not the greatest card in EDH, but I feel it is a worthy, especially budget edition, just for another cantrip to be able to help you draw through your deck and possibly help you ramp up as well, too. There are much better draw cards out there, but say you're a brand new player and Ravnica, Guilds of Ravnica is your first set and you just started and then went to Ravnica Allegiance and then War of the Spark and you don't really have any cards from older sets, this is a perfect kind of budget piece for you and I like it for that purpose. Coming in at number seven is Frilled Mystic at double green, double blue. It's an elf lizard wizard for that's a 3-2 with flash. When this enters the battlefield, you may counter target spell. I do like this better than Mystic Snake, even though the mana cost on this is a little bit more prohibitive compared to Mystic Snake. This is a bigger body and it does the same exact thing as Mystic Snake but bigger. So I do like this. This is a much better budget budget piece compared to Mystic Snake, even though Mystic Snake isn't that expensive, but I still like this for the bigger body this can produce here. Coming in at number six is End Raise Forerunners for Five colorless, three green. It's a boar that's a 7-7 with Vigilance, Trample, and Haste. When this enters the battlefield, other creatures you control get plus two, plus two, and gain Vigilance and Trample until end of turn. The reason why I like this card is because, once again, this is a great budget piece compared to Crater Hoof Behemoth if you're playing a sort of maybe a mono green elf deck that's sort of stompy or maybe Rise the Redeem with a bunch of tokens and it's trying to be stompy as well too you don't want to spend the money for crater hoof behemoth and raise forerunners is the card for you to be able to pick up and while it doesn't pump up your creatures as much this is just as decent and plus they all gain vigilance as well too so they don't tap which makes that heck even better um so yeah and raise forerunners is a very decent card Coming in at number five is one of my personal favorites. It was kind of hard not to put this up a little bit higher on the list, and that is Wilderness Reclamation for three and a green. It's an enchantment. At the beginning of your end step, all untap all lands you control. So it is like a poor man's Seedborn Muse, 
in a sense, even though you don't untap during everybody's untap step, you at least get to untap at the end of your end step. So say you're playing Simic or some sort of color with green and blue and maybe black salt eye and you have some counter spells up in hand end of your turn you can untap all your lands and then hold it up for some counter spells or fake like you have some counter spells in hand as well too so that is wilderness reclamation you're probably noticing a pattern here there's a lot of green um and blue because i like playing green and blue especially in edh they're Two big, dumb, fun colors. Coming in at number four is Smothering Tithe for three and a white enchantment. Whenever an opponent draws a card, that player may pay two. If the player doesn't, you create a colorless treasure artifact token with tap this to sack this artifact, add one mana of any color. So this is essentially white's mystic study here to help you ramp up with mana. Um, and most of the time, a lot of, especially if you play this early on, most players are going to be like, oh, it's just creating treasures whatever i don't know how much this is even going to really be impactful in end game i mean it, it definitely the treasure tokens do help but i don't see it being that useful unless you have the one flip card it is it was a thematic compass that when you flip it you can sack a treasure to draw a card that is where this would definitely come in handy but other than that it's just helping you mana ramp and it's very good early to mid game but late game i don't see it being that useful um and plus i think this card also jumped up in price as well too so if you don't have any probably now is the best time to get coming in at number three is light up the stage for two and a red that's a sorcery also has spectacle cost of just red which spectacle is you may cast the spell for its spectacle cost rather than its mana cost if an opponent lost life this turn you can exile the top two cards of your library until end of your next turn you may play those cards so Let's say you're doing mono red, right? Red does have some good draw spells, you know, like we have Faithless Looting, we have Tormenting Voice, um, Cathartic Reunion. Those are just some examples of some good cantrips for red. This is also a pretty good cantrip for red as well, too. Um, even if you're playing something like Is It, I still think this is a worthy cantrip to have. Even though it's technically you're not drawing cards, you're still helping it get through your deck. And um, I like it a lot, and it has proved very useful for me in my EDH sphere. Coming in at number two is Electro Dominance for X Double Red Instance. Electro Dominance deals X damage to any target. You may cast a card with converted mana cost X or less from your hand without paying its mana cost. So I have Niv Mizzet the Perun, who is basically I've built him as sort of a cantrip slash semi-storm deck and electro dominance is something that's really 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 cool it's almost like a two for one so i get niv mizzet's trigger based off this card and then i can cast another card so i get two triggers off of one and then i just draw two cards based off of that so i'm essentially dealing quite a bit of damage depending on what i'm casting here as well too so i really like this card it is a fun cantrippy type card and also fun for just creating some shenanigans in edh as well too our number one card for Ravnica Allegiance of my EDH editions would be none other than my favorite Hydra, probably ever. I like this Hydra better than Genesis Hydra, and that is Hydroid Crisis that is an X cost blue and a green. It is when you cast the spell, you gain half X life and draw half X cards round down each time. It has Flying and Trample, and this enters the battlefield with X 1-1 counters on it. 
I like this Hydra way better than Genesis Hydra. I feel it is much better than that. Um, technically, Genesis Hydra allows you to sort of dig through your deck and be able to put one permanent out, but this at least helps you draw more cards. And you can make the argument of which Hydra is better. I do like this one because it also has flying and trample, so it does have a little bit better evasion abilities than Genesis Hydra does. But in this kind of deck, especially something like Crufix or any kind of Simic or Sultai, type deck that is in EDH this is perfect for that I mean you cannot go wrong with this card it's also a standard all-star as well too so there you have it those are my top 10 EDH editions from Ravnica Allegiance like I said I will be doing some the same thing top 10 EDH editions from War of the Spark in a later episode so I hope you really enjoyed it let me know what you think in the comments or shoot me an email and see if you agree or disagree with my choices there Next, we are going to be talking about a silly little deck tech, and I have dubbed this deck Thick Angels. So the deck we're going to be talking about today is none other than dubbed Thick Angels, and that is all thanks to my good buddy Pixie Kitten Plays. If you have not checked out her YouTube channel, I implore you to check out her YouTube channel. She does amazing, hilarious magic skits, and I'm not just saying that because I know her and I really like her, and she's part of the 10 Street Hooligans as well, but these skits are very, very, very funny, and I'm one of those sticklers who... I don't really find anything funny. It's so many, there's so much other like comedy out there that people love and laugh. And I'm just like, mm, it's not funny, but her videos are funny. And I do mean that. So this deck here, this deck tag is called thick angels. And this is sort of a, I'd say it's kind of like an aggro slash kind of mid range deck. It can survive an onslaught late game, but the thing, there are some weaknesses with this deck. Um, it's pretty weak against control. Um, it's really, it, it is also weak against going wide as well too. I don't have a sideboard for this. So this is really meant to be played in best of one in magic arena here. So without further ado, let's get on with the deck. Let's first talk about the creature suite first. So it's going to look pretty similar to the Boros feather deck. This is more of a Mardu flavor of angels here. Um, like I said, it, it, you can almost play it like the Feather Boros deck, but you can also go, sometimes you can go wide with this, but you can also be able to survive Onslaught against Mono Red as well too, because there's plenty of lifelink abilities. So the creature suite, uh, first we will have four of 10th District Legionnaire, which is a red and a white with haste. It's a 2-2. And when you cast a spell that targets this creature, you put a 1-1 counter on 10th District Legionnaire, then scry one. Extremely handy to have, especially if you have a, a spell that can target this and allow you to scry, and then if you have Feather, you can also then return that card back to your hand as well, too. Uh, the next creature we have is Four of Resplendent Angel, one double white angel. It's a 3-3, has flying at the beginning of each end step. If you are gained five or more life this turn, create a 4-4 white angel creature token with flying and vigilance, and then you can pay three and three white, and then give this lifelink, and it also gains plus two, plus two until end of turn. Um, extremely good card to have early game. Um, 
provides a pretty good blocker. Yes, it dies to lightning strike and wizard's lightning, but it's very, very handy to have. Uh, one of the better creatures of the deck here is Feather the Redeemed. It's a red double white flying. That It's a 3-4, and a lot of people are already familiar with this card, and this card can basically win games by itself. With This is the only creature out on the field. And this reads, whenever you cast an instance or sorcery spell that targets a creature you control, exile that card instead of putting it into your graveyard as it resolves if you do return it to your hand at the beginning of the next end step like i said this card has won me games with just this card out by itself even though this is not built like the typical boros feather deck um but it's it's pretty similar it can but the, this card is just bonkers all in its own next we have four of seraph of the scales that's two white and a black that's flying it's a four three you can pay a white to give this vigilance you can also pay a black to give this death touch and it also has afterlife too so when this dies you get two one one spirit tokens with flying as well too so even though this thing can sometimes be easily killed you still get two two other bodies on the board afterwards and then plus with the vigilance is very good and even death touch good as well too um i mean Lisa, it's a very good creature to have uh, to help you build up that board presence. Next, we have three of Aurelia Exemplar of Justice. That's two red and white. Has Flying Mentor. It's a 2-5. At the beginning of combat on your turn, you choose up to one target creature you control. Tell them to turn that creature gets plus 2, plus 0. Gains Trample if it's red and gains Vigilance if it's white. So the best kind of angel I love targeting with this is either Resplendent or Feather. Um, you know, they both gain Vigilance from that because having untapped creatures just helps you out that much more to be able to provide blockers for you and help slow down especially aggressive decks as well too. Like I said, this deck can be made to go aggressive but it, it's very, very weak against decks that go wide. And to top it off for the creature suite, we have three Lyra Dawnbringers. That's three double white. It's a 5-5 five, five angel with flying first strike and lifelinking. Pumps up your angels to give them plus one, plus one, and lifelink as well, too. So, like I said, you're going up against Mono Red. You're able to drop this down. Boom, you're going to start gaining life, and you slow their momentum down as well, too. Um, so that is it for the creature suite there. Like I said, you have the chance, you have the ability to go aggressive early on to then build up to the mid game, late game, it, it, late game possible, but it's weak to going wide because we will now go over the non-creature spells and you'll see why it's late to going wide or, or, or not late, uh, weak against going wide. Uh, we have four of Defiant Strike, which is one white instant. Target creature gets plus one, plus one until end of turn, and you draw a card. It's really cool targeting 10th District Legionnaire with this, because with 10th District's ability to scry, you, you know, you can choose to keep it on top or bottom, and then you draw the card as well, too. Uh, we also have four of Gideon Black Blade, which is one double white. This is and Gideon Blackblade is good because you can basically turn it into... It, it's a creature that's a 4-4 four, four that's also... A, a planeswalker um, prevent all damage that would be dealt to Gideon Blackblade during your turn, which essentially it's you know decent. Um, starts off with four loyalty, has plus one to be able to give another creature vigilance, lifelink, or indestructible. Always very handy. Handy. Um, I notice myself usually choosing vigilance or lifelink most of the time. I might possibly choose indestructible if I'm up against mono red or something like maybe is it. To where they can possibly, you know, spot removal, something I don't want them to get rid of. And then it has an egg six to exile target non-land permanent, which is very, very, very handy as well, too. 
Um, the other non-creature spells, we've got three of Bedeck and Bedazzle. Uh, most of the time, you're going to choose the Bedeck part, which is the two hybrid mana of black and red. And it's an instant target creature gets plus three, neg three until end of turn. That can also be kind of used as some spot removal sometimes as well, too. And then the Bedazzle part, I don't think I've ever used in this deck. Um, at least I can't recall that at a time I've ever used it. It destroys target non-basic land and deals two damage to target opponent or planeswalker. Like I said, it's extremely rare that I'd ever want to use that part of the card. And then the last non-creature spell in the deck here is three of Assure to Assemble. Uh, most of the time you're going to choose the Assure part. Actually, the only time you can only really choose the Assure part in this deck here. Um, the Assure part is two hybrid mana of green and white. Uh, you put a 1-1 counter on target creature and it gains indestructible until end of turn. Um, very good as a combat trick for if your creature gets blocked and they're going to be dying and then boom, they get a 1-1 counter on it and they're indestructible and they manage to wipe out the other creature on the other side. So... That is really it for the creatures and the non-creature spells. Um, the land base is your kind of typical. It has five plains, three mountains. I put four godless shrine in here, four isolated chapel, four clifftop retreats, and four sacred foundries. And there, it's been very rare that I've come across any kind of mana issues. There, there's been a few times where I may not have had double white for Feather the Redeemed, but it was very few and far between, and same for Lyra and Gideon Blackblade. Um, but for the most part, it's I don't run into too many mana issues with this deck. With this having... Uh, 24 land, I think you should be fine. Um, the only other kind of weak part of this deck that I've noticed is if you don't have Feather out and you're not able to keep constantly casting Defiant Strike, you know, the the card draw is pretty weak in this deck as well, too. You're going to be really dependent on your opening hand as well. If you don't have a really good opening hand, there is a pretty good chance that you're not going to do well with this deck. I do recommend this kind of deck for best of one. It is fun to play, and like I said, it can be fast and be able to you know, also stave off aggro as well. But for those decks that like to go wide you're going to have a hard time. It's You'd want to make sure you'd have some good lifelink and be able to build up your life up enough to be able to maybe survive the onslaught if they go wide with sapperlings or elves or what have you. Um, so that is the Thick Angel deck tech. Um, let me know what you think. I will post the deck list below in the show notes and in the YouTube video description. And like I said, this is all thanks to Pixie Kitten Plays. Make sure you check out her YouTube channel and check out her videos. They are very funny. And um, thanks, Pixie. Uh, this is an extremely fun deck to play, and it's probably one of my more favorite decks to play in Magic Arena right now. So that's really the show. That's the show tonight. Um, hope you all enjoyed it. Uh, let me know what you think. Uh, you know, you can help support Magic with Zuby by, um, you know, subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or TuneIn Radio, or on YouTube. Uh, be sure to check out Tin Street Hooligans as well. We're on every Tuesday night at, uh, we start 8.30 p.m. Eastern uh, every Tuesday night. And, um, yeah, so if you want to email me or, or reach out to, you can find Magic Wazubi on Facebook.com slash Magic Wazubi, on Twitter at Magic Wazubi, on Instagram at Magic underscore with underscore Zuby. Uh, you can email me with any questions you may have at mtgzuby at, at gmail.com. And um, 
I think that's about it. So have a great night, everybody. All right.